Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you very much. I feel honored to be here today and uh, to be able to share something from my recovery, my experiences with relationships and with uh, dating. Uh, so, um, as I mentioned, I'm sober since uh, 2015, um, and I was um, I came to SA in 2015. So, how my life looked like before I came, I was always um, a very lonely person. I used to have only one friend or two friends; it was maximum, and I only. I used to talk only with those two people. And the moment those two people, they were absent from the school, I didn't know what to do. And so I was clinging to them and very dependent on their presence. So what changed when I started my recovery was that I finally have a group of friends. So I'm not so dependent on one person. And I have a network of supporting people. So whenever one person, is, uh, he or she is not able to uh, get into contact with me, I can contact another person. And I don't have the situation that I don't have any other person to talk with. And it's a huge change in my life comparing to what uh, was it like before I started my recovering. And the second uh, thing was... Um, as I mentioned, I was very dependent on the other people. And I was also very negative about my own life. I have I had suicidal thoughts and I used to share it with other people. And of course, it's good to share your emotions, but I've, I have impression that it was a huge burden for those people that uh, they were the only people who knew that I that I'm thinking about suicide myself, and it wasn't until 2015 that I uh, that I looked for professional help. So the moment I found professional help as well for my suicidal thoughts, it was also something that influenced positively my relationships. That even if I Still, at the beginning of my counseling, I still had difficulties with depression, with the with um, negative attitudes to the life. Um, my friends they knew that um, I do something with that. I'm not only sharing the emotions and sharing my suicide suicidal thoughts with them, but I'm also taking steps to change my life, and I'm active in changing my life, and that they are not the only source of um, comfort for me. So I think that it was it was also something that released the tension and the pressure that I put on those people. 
so these are the two things that I, when I thought about the relationships, these were the two things that came to my mind as first. But what's there afterwards? In the past, when something happened in my life, I didn't ask myself questions why I feel the way I feel or to be honest I used to ask myself the questions but the questions were why I am so stupid that I feel like that why I am so stupid that I feel sad when someone made a negative remark or was just um, uh, abusive towards me but when I started getting sober those questions um, changed as well um, I still ask myself the questions, but these are not the questions that are bashing myself, uh, that are only meant to s- criticize myself and only to make me feel worse. These are the questions that help me to understand. So the first question I, uh, uh, is that um, I ask myself, is the situation that I'm currently experiencing, the situations that currently make me angry, sad, or whatsoever, uh, is that situation similar to something from the past? Um, that maybe I'm, I don't know, afraid of my boss only because in the past I was afraid of my mother. So maybe I don't feel that com- confidence or I don't feel comfort because it's similar to what happened in my childhood. And when I... Uh, when I realized that I feel angry only because someone 10 years ago did something similar, my emotions decrease and it's easier for me to handle with them. Um, and I also ask myself that maybe in some situations when I have negative attitudes towards a person, it's only because that person is similar to someone from the past. I have that situation. I had a story with one of sisters in SA that we have really difficult uh, relationships and difficult contacts. Um, and it changed when I realized that it's um, part of, of the, one of the reasons why it's so difficult is that that sister, is very, she's very similar to my mother. So we were like, I was like, um, in again in the same relationship, like a small child in a relation with 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 a mother. So there was no way it could be healthy when we are both adults, and one of the persons in that case me acts as a child. So it was from that point, um, um, because of that reason, it was no longer possible for us to to be in good contact. And I needed time to um, to withdraw from that relationship in order to be able to come again in that relationship, maybe not so close, uh, but on different terms, on terms where we are no longer that mother and daughter, but we are sisters in the fellowship. And um, talk, talking with others, it was something that helps me and helped me in those situations. Um, because I'm a person um, that I just like talking. And when I talk, my emotions, they decrease. Their intensity 
lower. So it's something that makes me feel less stressed when I talk about the problems. And it's also helpful because I can get a second opinion on the situation when I have a difficult relationship with a person and I don't want, and I don't really know what's what's wrong, what's happening, and I have difficulties in discerning my own emotions and what's the truth. Um, speaking with others gives me that um, a second opinion, that perspective of a viewer there, uh, who is outside of the situation. And it's very helpful to see that other perspective. But the thing that's also important for me is what I didn't have in the past is that very often when I share uh, my emotions with other uh, fellow sisters or I share them in the meetings, I have that, um, uh, I have that feeling that my feelings, they are validated this validation of what, of the way I feel, it's actually helpful. The moment I see that the other person in the situation, when I feel anger, she she as well, she, she feels that something is wrong. And that validation, it actually helps me. Just, just the fact that the other person feels the same um, um, and that I can um, see her reactions it helps me to accept my own emotions and then deal with them and deal with situation as well. So that talking and talking in honesty, it's something that helps me a lot and also helps me in my in my relationship with my fiance. It's much better when you are honest, both of us. Um and this honesty is also connected, connecting with finishing relationships. In the past, every time when another person ended a relationship with me, or they just, I didn't move to other cities, changed schools, I felt that they abandoned me. I felt that uh, they did it on purpose to hurt me, and how I felt that they are bad towards me. And it was in the fellowship that I learned that it just happens that there are so many people in our lives that it's not possible for, for a human being to have to keep in contact with every single person from the past. And that, and that, um, that thought that it's just not possible. Like we don't have so much time in our life to keep in contact, in close contact with every single person. It helped me to deal with those situations when a person like when a person stopped contacted, contacted me or we just lost connection because of some changes in our lives. But that acceptance is also very important for me when, um, when the relation doesn't end because our um we are in different we are in different schools on in different uh, works uh, in different offices but because our life changes and we change i had a situation where one of my friends um from the past we were the best friends in high school then we got we got a huge quarrel about some small details Mm, and I felt guilty like 
three years I was thinking and praying, praying, asking God to help me rebuild that relationship. And we met again seven years later or something like that. And we restarted our relationship. And it was very nice for like two years. It was very nice. And then we didn't have a quarrel. We just started to break apart our ways of living started to be very different i started to change i started to getting sober and to be more positive about my lives and um, the last contact we had with i had with that um, ex ex friend of mine ex girlfriend it was when i asked her when i wished her a happy birthday and she and i proposed that if she likes we can meet and she never answered and in the past i would be i would hold grudges against her and i would cry that he that she doesn't want to contact to me uh, but at that moment i just accepted it okay is that final moment when our relationship is no longer there is that final moment when we just have no longer the connection we are not on the same page in our lives and it's okay and it was uh, something new for for me and it's of course it was a little bit sad but not that um not that uh, depressing and um it wasn't that hard as in the past. And it has a connection with what I mentioned at first, that I have a group of friends. So even if one person uh, misses, uh, is even if one person leaves me, I still have other people around me. I'm not alone or not that alone as I was in the past. So that group of friends, it's really helpful. Um, but um, what I what I did wrong in um, oh, oh maybe that I will talk about it later. But uh, connecting to that um, to that idea of ending is also um, like accepting that I'm powerless against other people. So I'm powerless against with. The, with what they say, with what they decide. I can like protect myself. I can make some decisions um, uh, while seeing the situation, um, but I cannot force them to like me. I cannot force them to meet with me. And it's something that I, uh, that I learned continuously in relationship with my fiancé. Uh, I'm, for example, I'm not satisfied with the way, with the pace he's, um, he's making renovation in our future apartment. So, okay, I'm not satisfied. I can help him, but I have no force to, to force him to make it quicker. Or, yeah, I can, I can propose some, uh, some ideas to make it quicker. I can, um, uh, encourage him to seek for help to ask other people to help us to make it a little bit quicker but I cannot force him I, I will not stand there and force him to paint uh, next walls it's not possible but it's sometimes very difficult and sometimes I have that idea 
that hmm, maybe I will, he did something that I didn't like. Maybe I punish him or something like that. But that is, has no, uh, it has no meaning. Thank you. It has no meaning and it's pointless. Um, and he's an adult. I'm not his mother. Um, so it's something that I that I learned again uh, in my in relation in in contacts with my friends and in contacts with my fiance, and um, coming to a relationship uh, with that significant other. What I learned and what's difficult for me is to accept the pace of other person in building those in team in in team relationship. Um, um, I was a person who I'm a person who is more involved in our relationship, and I would like it. I would like it to be a little bit more quicker. <laughs> uh, last year, um, I was already on the point when I wanted to meet like three times a week, uh, but my boyfriend no, he he needed more time to come to that conclusion that he wants us to meet often that he misses me. And what I learned was that it's a person who is quicker that adapts him or herself to the person who is slower in the relationship. So it was me who was waiting for for my boyfriend to get more involved in the relationship. Um, actually, um, it's the second time I'm in a sober relationship while I'm recovering in SA. And what changed um, was that I'm not analyzing so much. In the, in the past with my ex-boyfriend, I was analyzing every single sentence. He would say, maybe not single sentence, but I had like uh, some special sentences that he said. And I then analyzed and I draw conclusions that he's a toxic person. Our relationship will be bad. And he is surely codependent. And I didn't tell him. I didn't help, tell him that I didn't like that sentences or that I felt unsure when he said that. I only told him that after four months. And I told him that because of that, I'm breaking up our relationship, that I'm finishing because I felt that and that like four months ago, three months ago. And um, it was wrong from my side to... Um, to not to inform about my feelings when they are still up to date. So it's something that's changed as well right now that I'm informed more often when something, when something happens. And um, even if these are small things, I just inform my fiancé that I feel like that. And because of that, um, I don't have those small um, stones that are building a huge pile of anger uh, because we are talking like um, on the daily basis or, or about our feelings, about the way uh, we behave towards each other, about our expectations and plans. And it's helpful for us. And what I learned um, uh, was that... Um, um, I need to sometimes I need to um, put on hold my emotions. In the past, uh, when I had some strong emotions, 
I would think about them for a very long time. And I used to analyze the situations over and over again. And I couldn't sleep in the night because I was so agitated with, uh, with the situation. But right now, when there is something that is um, that uh, that is very difficult for me, and a situation in which I feel strong emotions, like yesterday, I uh, I quarreled with. We had a quarrel with uh, my fiance, and uh, I was thinking about it in the evening, and I started thinking about it when I was already in bed. But then I came to conclusion that it's like. It really changes nothing, even if I pass whole night thinking about those emotions, those situations. The only result will be I will I will be uh, tired the next day. So I will I was it is as if I would um, punish uh, myself, uh, trying to pun- punish my boyfriend with my not sleeping well in the night, but it doesn't work like that I'm only it's only detrimental to my health so right now when I was so agitated yesterday I just said stop and I just asked myself what nice I can feel about so I just I was just thinking about uh, being on the beach and the waves and the sun and I just uh, felt asleep and it was a much better choice than what I would do in the past uh, spending two, three hours and just over and over feeling angry and agitated. Mm, um, okay, I know that I have some few minutes, only few minutes left. Yes, I know, I saw. Um, so maybe mm, um, what I learned um, some months ago was that sometimes when I'm dissatisfied with uh, behavior of the other person. It happens in my relationship with my fiance that he did something. I felt dissatisfied with his behavior. Mm, what I learned was that it wasn't really the problem, his behavior. My problem was that I felt fear that other will judge me on the basis of behavior of my boyfriend. And that uh, conclusion that it's just the fact that I'm afraid of being judged, it's something that makes me um, dissatisfied or that makes me um, so so concentrated on some points of behavior of my fiancé. And it's um, easier like that when I already know that. So that knowing of myself, it's also helpful in relationships with others. And um, when I know that um, my reactions, they come from um, uh, from my own uh, fears, from my own character defects, it's easier for me to, to make uh, that distance between my emotions and the behavior of the other person. And, as that, and because of that, I'm, I, I, I have impression that I'm a little bit uh, more uh, comprehensive and uh, nice to other people because I don't blame them immediately about um, about their behavior and I don't blame them on the way I feel. But I'm taking more responsibility of what I feel like 
than I used to in the past. So it's basically that I wanted to share today. Thank you very much for listening. Hi, Zofia. Thank you so much for your share. I actually uh, I grew up in Lviv, Lviv, Ukraine, so I'm sort of your neighbor over there, but have been away for quite a while. Uh, congrats on your dating. Uh, I dated in sobriety, just celebrated 10 years being married. Um, 10, 10 years is a big deal, and I wish you to find the, the amazing things that I found in marriage. Uh, I married somebody who is not in recovery. She's in a different form of like a spiritual recovery, I would say. I, w- I wanted to find out, is your significant other in recovery? Yes, no. How do you find the communication? Like, do you share everything? Don't you share everything? Like, I found out, like, my wife told me some things, like, I tried doing fourth step together. So she's like, you can vent to me, but you cannot vent about, to me about me. Like, that's one of the things that rules I had to establish, that I can't share the fourth step about my wife to my wife. Um, just curious about that, that part of your relationship. Thank you. Okay, thank you for the question. Uh, so my fiance is um, attending ACA meetings um, since half a year. Um, he used to um, be- he benefited from counseling uh, he some years ago. Uh, and I think that because of that, um, he's able to communicate on the feelings. But it's not making a program. He's just participating in the meetings, um, in the ACA meetings. Um, we didn't uh, have any ideas of sharing the fourth step. Uh, but sometimes when I have difficult emotions with other people, I share it with him. And um, and sometimes he gives, gives me some uh, hints or um some feedbacks that it's very useful um but it's a nice I, it's a nice rule not to share the fourth step about a wife with wife we didn't think about it but uh, the moment it comes that we are married we'll um, maybe introduce that rule as well thank you so much thank you kiva thanks sophia uh, shannon let's go next please <laughs> Hello, thank you so much for your share. Um, I'm actually recently sober dating. Um, it's been interesting. <laughs> I find it hard when to disclose things to people because I feel like um, I'm an overshare because I feel like that protects me, but I know it's it, ne- it never does. <laughs> I think that it usually is something people use against me a lot in dating these days. Like I have a very colorful past with my um sexual addiction right because I, I i worked in I, I i sold sex in many forms so i i find it difficult when to like actually discuss that with somebody or if i even have to for them you know i have my boundaries for dating how did you apply your boundaries for dating without you know like disclosing too early to your partner like i just i find it very fine line and it's 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 very interesting i'll say that dating's been interesting um but yeah regardless i think uh, your share was amazing and yeah i just wonder what uh, your experience was with your boundaries and how you went about talking about your boundaries without 
either disclosing or you did disclose to your partner early on? Thank you for the question. Um, so those boundaries are completely different in that relationship as they were two years ago or three years ago in my previous relationship. Uh, they were both sober, but um, in previous relationship, the um, I was in that time sober like two years and um, uh, my boundaries were uh, more strict for example we didn't we um, weren't in the same room um, if we weren't some things to do like we it was possible for us to uh, bake a cake together or to um, I don't know clean apartment together but it wasn't possible for us to sit and watch television because it would create for me too much intimacy and the i i was afraid that the uh, feelings inside me and uh, the sexual drive would be too high um, and right now in that relationship that i have right now it's possible for us to watch television together so it's changed too much um, and I'm very grateful that those two relationships were so different because it's easier for me to understand when someone is explaining to me how she or he is dealing in their sober dating. Um, the moment uh, I didn't share my whole story, my whole sexual story with my, with my boyfriends, um, I waited till the moment we met for like, two months or some we dated for two months and I felt that I'm no longer one girl of few other girls that they are dating in the same time but I'm starting to be that one that they are dating and at that moment I told them that I was that I'm addicted and with time, it's easier. In the previous relationship, it was much difficult than in that one. Um, it was easier for me in that in the current relationship to disclose that I'm sexaholic. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not describing my patterns of acting out. Uh, I don't talk about it. Um, I. Mm, only uh, give some clues about my sexual past um if they ask i um, i think that my current fiance he asks uh, about something and i gave him clues but um not like um, uh, really in-depth descriptions of what i did in the past and the way uh, my relationships looked like mm, yeah so it's like that thank you thank, thank you, you. buddy over to you hey, I'm buddy I'm buddy I'm recovering sexaholic um Sophia thank you um for sharing that that you you had had your suicidal thoughts um from the time I was eight years old, I wished I had never been born. And I never had the suicidal ideation in that 
I never planned how I would kill myself. But I always had that waiting for death, hoping death would come soon kind of feeling inside of me. Um, And I've been sexually sober 23 years, and it's only within the past two years that I really started to get in touch with what the hell happened to me. Um, I had a near-death experience when I was eight and a half, and in that situation, my 10-year-old brother did die. And then I kept complaining of stomach pains, and then they gave me this stuff called paragoric, which was opium. Um, so I, I've learned what the hell happened to me, um, and I'm coming to terms with that. Uh, but it's just really good to hear you sharing um, because it makes I, me realize that I'm not alone, um, that there are other people in recovery who who have struggled with these kind of thoughts. Um, so thank you. Thrin. Thank you, Francis. Thank you, Sophia, for your share. Um, good to see you and good to hear you. And yeah, I always think it takes a lot of courage to share um, and uh, very good that you did it. Um, and it was good for me to hear everything you said. Um, and what is funny, I, I don't have a question. I just want to share back that today it is the second time that I hear um, that I only can have so many friends, like real friends. And <laughs> that really, it spoke to me, to my heart. Um, I learned today that friendship is is not only, you know, for, yeah, what I used uh, to do in the past, Um to get something like it was similar to relationship to get something or um, I used to have friends who were in need just like me and uh, and we were trying to fill each other's time because we were lonely or felt alone but it was not really a connection and I find I have very few contacts in recovery where I feel that this friendship has a purpose and I know that it would break apart if I would leave recovery. I wouldn't have this friendship anymore. But the purpose, it, it gives a lot of meaning to the friendship and it's very deep and um, it's very precious. I've never had a friendship like that before. Unfortunately, she lives far away. <laughs> but um, yeah, thank you for time. But I, uh, I'm very grateful that I can experience that at all. I feel like we are like spiritual warriors or something. <laughs> <laughs> like this. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Uh, Sophia, we have a question in chat from Awab, who unfortunately cannot speak due to lack of privacy. And so he says, I was rejected many times for girls that are liked. So now I can't even think of love, and this hurts me. So how can I solve that? Because I'm afraid to get involved in a relationship. Mm, thank you. Um, mm, I wasn't, uh, I think that it wasn't really my problem that I was rejected by men in my life, but I was rejected by friends um, and by colleagues. So it's to some, uh, to some extent uh, similar. 
and what helped me in um, in getting that attitude of openness uh, was uh, uh, that I first first of all uh, the meetings were helpful because in meetings I'm accepted I have that feeling of acceptance from the others also uh new friendships in SA uh, like new people who didn't uh, reject who didn't um uh, end the relationship with me and with whom I could develop that sense of stability in the relationship um what helped me as well was um working of my acceptance of myself uh, so that I don't reject myself. And the moment I'm more self-confident and I have more love towards myself, it's easier for me to accept uh, other people and to accept that possibility that they will reject me. Mm. Uh, yes, that self-love is uh, definitely something that was helpful. Uh, and also connection to my higher power. That the moment I feel left with my higher power and I can talk with my higher power, I can also talk about those feelings of rejection and those feelings of being afraid to get involved in something. Um, and to ask my higher power what I can do with that. It was also helpful. And um, I also had the one final thought. Uh, ah, okay, the like the small steps that I don't share immediately everything, but I share in small. Uh, I open in small steps, so it was also helping for me that I was getting more open and getting more confidence in, and I was taking those small steps in building relationships. Thank you. Thank you, Sophia. Okay, we're coming towards the end of the meeting, so we've, we've time for a couple more questions, and we've got two more hands raised. So, Natalie, please. Thank you, Francis. Sophia, thank you so much for your share. Uh, it has been really interesting. Um, I have an I have a question share slash uh, question. I guess um, I want to know when you just. When you were just sober in the beginning and you just uh, joined SA, what was your idea or your uh, thoughts about dating ever in the future? Like for me, for example, uh, I just got out of a relationship, a very, very bad relationship of 12 years. I'm single for one year now and sober for three months. And the idea I'm having now is like, I, I want to be single forever. I don't want to go through this uh, again. I don't want to. I don't want a boyfriend. I don't want a partner. I don't want a husband. But um, people are telling me, like, yeah, that's because you're protecting yourself, like unconsciously. You had so much uh, hurt, so much pain, and now you need to focus on your sobriety and your recovery, and that's. That's stuff for the future, you know. But I am wondering how it was for you in the beginning. Did you have the same feelings as I have now? Or will it change? Or how was that mm -hmm. for you? Thank you. Thank you. Um, the moment I came to SA, it was like a year or something like that after, uh, after my 
boyfriend broke up with me and he broke up with me the day I told him that I had problems with watching pornography. So, and our relationship was like, like very, very toxic. Um, so the moment I came to SA, uh, I was in such a distress that I didn't think at all about um, getting in a relationship and how it can be. But after a year and a half, I started feeling a little bit better. And I just met a guy um, who was nice and we started dating. Um, and I was very anxious. I was afraid that that new relationship, it will be similar to the relationship from the past, that it will be toxic again, that I will be a victim again. Um, and I needed much help from other people. I also, it was not only SA and my sponsor, but it was also professional help, professional counseling, because I was a victim of sexual abuse. And it was uh, the professional help that I needed as well. And everyone was trying to calm me down, <laughs> like to calm me down, to give me a little bit of more um, self-confidence, that feeling that if something happens right now, I'm able to protect myself. I'm able to give those boundaries and that I will not again be that victim uh, but I was very anxious and afraid that something happens and that my boyfriend would uh, abuse me and that uh, feeling of that of being afraid of being a victim, it was uh, really a problem for me at that time. And now it's no longer. So it changes with that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sophia. And uh, we'll have to make this last question, sadly. Hamid. Hi, my name is Ahmed. I'm Six Talib. Thank you so much, Sophia, for your share. That was great. And I was really happy to hear your share because it was actually the first time that I heard someone has the same problem as me. And um, I read somewhere that uh, one of the biggest problems of every Six Talib is the relationships. And that that's the things that I've been always having problem with in SA and not with girls, but with even recovery friends and everyone with the sponsors and always been feeling the same things that you share. And that's why after a while I followed my recovery in other programs, Codependent Anonymous. And it is helping me a lot. And one of the solutions you shared to have a network, a group of people to be in contact, not only one person that is really helping me. And so uh, thank you so much for sharing your solution. Thank you. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.